that's the feedback. Still spinning from the night that we had. In the mirror where I brush my teeth back. There's three more heads and they're watching me back. Read the bread while I toast my paycheck. Well, the girl said grace a safe bet. Phone ringing, I refuse to take it. Wanna play dead, but I'm on the day shift. Stepping out into the weekly rotor. On a cheap share of seat with older. Train driver said it ain't a joke, but we're gonna be stuck till I fix the motor. Half hour in between the stations. Start jogging when I hit the pavement. Ran straight into a situation. Cop said stop, cause I ain't Caucasian. Whole hour on the explanation. Mr. Bus and the cat was engine. I'm really now in a situation. When I return to my destination, I get told to collect my payment. Clear the desk quick, make it vacant. Now if I ever need an inspiration, right about now where I lose my patience. If I ever need an inspiration, right about here's where I lose my patience. Over the course of the last 20 years, there have been so many brilliant electro-British duos that then bring in all these incredible vocalists, and that's one of them right there, Groove wow. Armada, off of their Love Box release, which Love I don't that. remember the exact year, but Matter, and you know, so here we are, what, 20 years later, and the guy got fired because his subway got, uh, you know, it broke down, he ran to work, and they're like, Clear your stuff out. Get the hell out of here. And we, we seem to live in similar times right now. You know, and I was listening. I was listening to it. That's really Cardboard literally box. what it says. Yep, exactly. Grab your fern. Grab your little figurines. Have you noticed the news people lately? Where, I don't mean to laugh at this because it's not funny at all. But, mm. but yeah, I think I'm going to take a vacation. <laughs> Go on vacation. And then they don't really seem to need me. <laughs> Exactly. And they get the box on the desk. That's just sad. It's super, super sad. Yeah, no, these are um, unprecedented times. But thank you for tuning into episode 64 of The Brian Oak Show. Here we are recording in the heart of South Minneapolis uh, in the Smart Start MN studio and... It's weird, man. We uh, we were going to have Fancy Ray today, but that turns out it's going to be next Thursday. And Fancy Ray has been a vocal proponent of this amazing city that we call home for a very, very long time. He represents the north side and the south side equally, but the south side is where the shit's been on fire for a very, very long time. And Well, not very, very long, but you know what I mean. It's been um, an unusual time here in our neck of the woods. Would that be fair? Uh, yeah. <laughs> unusual like i don't know what else to say like what else can you say and i'm not trying to damn it with faint praise i just you know i it's exhausting now maybe i'm not hearing hearing helicopters every single night anymore but it is still uncertain people are still showing up but we're located at 48th in chicago we are a mere 10 blocks south from that impossibly gorgeous memorial uh for george floyd and the corner where he was is murdered too strong? Do you think that loses us customers and Patreon listeners and Patreon supporters? No, that's what it was. If the chief of police is saying that, I think that we can pretty much say that. So Yeah, so tonight we are going to be talking to, uh, well, tonight, today, whatever the hell, doesn't matter, night, day, don't mean shit, <laughs> in the words of the movie Repo Man. Um, we're going to be talking to someone that we talked to just a few episodes ago, but he was available to fill in, and he has sort of become the de facto spokesperson to a lot of national outlets about what's happening in Minneapolis. And why is that important? Well, it's important because what happened here, certainly George Floyd, not the first black man to be murdered by white police. No. Not even close. But for whatever reason, be it COVID, be it an absolute level of 
like just can't take it anymore, which to me seems like the right reaction. The, the, the ripples have been international and he is going to be joining us in a bit, but right now he's pre-recording a tape session with the good people at Nightline because he has become the voice of part of what is happening here and what is happening worldwide. His name is Jared Brewington and he's been on the show several times before, but he has become a friend. He is bright. He's articulate. He's an entrepreneur. He is a believer in Minneapolis, and he's a Southsider. And so to talk to him again, because it's weird. We had him on a couple weeks ago, maybe three, four episodes ago. So much has changed. The situation is so dynamic. Even though the city's not burning anymore, what's happening in reaction to it from statues being toppled to NASCAR making a move that oh. like, made I mean, we're going to talk to him about that, but open my eyes wide this morning. But it, it, it's very interesting to me that um, I, I have to find it here real quick because what's interesting to me is that um, there are a number of people worldwide, not even worldwide, here in our particular country who still have this outmoded understanding or maybe zero understanding. I got to see if I have it on my phone here. So Tom Morello, brilliant guitarist, guitarist for Rage Against the Machine, right? Yeah. Um, he got uh, attacked on Twitter uh, because he posted some things about, like, I don't like this, I don't like that. And then someone whose name is blanked out said, I used to be a fan of yours until the political opinions came out. Music is my sanctuary, and the last thing I want to hear is political BS when I'm listening to music. As far as I'm concerned, you and Pink are completely done. Keep running your mouth and running and ruining your fan base. To which Tom Morello replied, what music of mine didn't contain political BS? When people who are like into Rage Against the Machine and grew up with it, they clearly love to rock out, but they clearly never listen to the words every single song. Be it, we were going to play right here a song by Run the Jewels who dropped their album early. Yeah. Uh, um, RTJ4, they dropped it for free and early. Go listen to it because Josh Ami, my guy, is on there from yeah. Queens of the Stone Age. Oh. Mavis Staples is on there. Zach wow. DeLaRocca is on there. They brought in this incredible number of guests, and it could not be a more timely record. Even if you're not a hip-hop fan, dig in deep, put on your headphones, and listen. But I, when that person wrote... Until, you know, I used to be a huge fan of yours until you started dropping the political BS. And Tom Morello, who, by the way, has a um, a master's from Harvard in political science. Well, and their name is not Hug the Governor. It's Rage Against the Machine. Wait, so now, you don't what? even have to I, listen to one of the songs. So It's, it's, it's in the fucking name. It's, it's, it's not like the fun cul-de-sac version of Rage <laughs> no, Against the Machine. No. It's for real. Look at the cover of their first fucking album. <laughs> it's the Buddhist monk who lit himself on fire, literally on fire, with gasoline to protest the Vietnam War. For people who are just now waking up in their white middle age to realize... Well, maybe this band had a political message. I, I just think it feels good right now to trim the fat, and I'm going to call it what it is. That what, what's happened with all of this is, is there were entitled people in my family yeah. and entitled people that I knew from high school or wherever. Exactly. And you're seeing their posts, and you're like, goodbye. Well, and, and here's <laughs> See the deal. you later. I hate, I hate division. All of my posts recently have been yeah, about like, but, but, well, no, agreed. I, I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. I just, right now, if there was ever a time for unity and trying to learn yes. and talk and understand, 
But there's also a reason why people write angry songs. Punk rockers in the 80s, Rage Against the Machine in the 90s, bands to this day, that new Run the Jewels record. Yeah. There are so many references to what's happening right now, today. It's, you know what, it's important to keep your head on a swivel and pay attention. But this goes out, and again, his name was blacked out, so I cannot personally dedicate it to that idiot who was like... Until your political BS came up, I used to really like your band. Listen to any Rage Against the Machine (laughs) song, you ignorant jackass, including this one right here, R-A-T-M with Bomb Track on The Brian Oak Show. Sorry about that. I don't know why it started without me. Um, I do want to hit the totes thing out of this real quick. Okay, fine. Before we call it. And a sponsor, at least. Yeah, and a sponsor. And then I'm going to pee because I didn't do that before. So. Please, please do. I'd like to. Otherwise, I'll wet my pants right here in the I'd studio. I hate to see that mm. again. <clears throat> here we go. Ah.
Someone is screaming at the top of their lungs over an amazing funk meets rock soundtrack, burn, burn, yes, you're going to burn. And then once you've reached your comfortable adulthood, you're like, you know, I really used to enjoy your music until you got political. My bride walked down the aisle to that song. (laughs) We did that little wedding skip that you do down the aisle. What the fuck part did you miss the first time around? Did you listen to it? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's fun to be 19 years old and go into a mosh pit and lose your mind as they're doing their thing. But if you didn't actually hear it, so the number of people who are reacting, overreacting to Tom Morello's like, yeah, fuck this situation. Like, you know, until you got political with all this political BS, I really enjoyed your music. That guy has low T. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, if you want to know more, there are great articles. There's one at, at Open Culture where Tom Morello responds to angry fans who suddenly realize that their music is political. And then he replied, like, what music of mine didn't co- contain so called political BS? Unbelievable. We live in uncertain times. People irritate now, me. Now more than ever. <laughs> In any event, uh, one of the things that we've been promising to do for a long time, because these are, and I hate the phrase, it's to me it's gone up there with it is what it is, uncertain times, we have not been able to fulfill our obligation to our Patreon members about providing you with a monthly show, because there are no shows of any sort. Now, that may change in the not-too-distant future, but also... Like the Pet Shop Boys show, our tour, just got pushed back to New Order Pet Shop Boys October 21. So I don't know when that becomes a reality again. I mean, I wasn't broken up about the Pet Shop Boys, although I admit I liked them back in the day. I still but New like Order, them. New Order, I would I would love to see. So in any event, they just announced they're rescheduling the tour, but they're rescheduling it for a year and a half from now, which is probably the right thing to do. Lock it down, get yeah, your tickets in. I suppose. A year and a half, we're probably going to be in a much better space or... Maybe the zombie... I've seen 28 Days Later. Maybe the zombie apocalypse will be real in any event. Isn't that the Sandra Bullock one? Oh, no, that's just 28 Uh, Days. uh, (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Or she goes under rehab. His name is Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. This is The Brian Oak Show, episode 64. Thank you very much for your continued support, Patreon members. And we do have a way to thank you. We finally got our tote bags printed. And it feels a little ironic. It feels a little city, silly, but they, they look fantastic. They look smart. Yeah. And <laughs> instead of cheaping out and getting you like this thin gossamer fabric like someone would wear to Coachella, yeah. which, by the way, canceled, um... They're, they're real tote bags. They are, I took one record shopping the other day. 
Got a full 12 records in there. Don't no worry way. about that. I absolutely and did. It held up. Perfect size. And uh, so in any event, we want to get you your tote bags. But if you live in the metro, if you live anywhere near the metro, we've got a small event we're planning, masks included, lots of hand sanitizer, coming up Tuesday at one of the primary sponsors of the show, Busters on 28th. Yeah, the plan is to be there, I think, 4.30 to 6.30, somewhere around that range. Works and for me. I'm going to email you. Uh, if you're a Patreon member, uh, and let you know about it as well. But a cool thing that we're going to do is Busters on 28th has given us a bunch of gift cards, and some of them will have a secret prize inside, either a $25 or $50 gift card to Busters on 28th. Well, fantastic news. So you never know who's going to have what. Here's the other thing that Busters did. They announced shortly after our last show on Tuesday, they're opening up their patio because Minnesota has allowed minor reopening. Now, let's be clear. There was a, a news story earlier today. Basically, the entire western third of the U.S. has announced an, a spike in yes. coronavirus cases that have tested positive. So this is going to be very brief. We're not talking long. We're going to have gloves on and hand you your bag. Yes. And then you're going to get the hell out of there unless you've got a reservation. So Buster's is open. Buster's on 28th.com. Yeah. The food is excellent. The beer and drink is excellent there. But you, so what they've decided to do is they open from three until close, but you have to make a reservation if you want to eat there because their, their vibe was we want to give patio time to anybody who needs patio time. And we need patio time. Yeah, and we're doing this on a Tuesday, so if you do want to swing by or, or call ahead and get some curbside as well or just go in early or stay after we're gone, mm-hmm. you're welcome to do that and sit on the patio. But set a reservation. It's a Tuesday night, so hopefully it'll be busy, but not, well, hopefully for them it'll be crazy busy. But hopefully. feel free to order ahead or do whatever you want to do. But Tuesday, uh, that would be, because this is a podcast, we should say Tuesday the 16th. Uh, from 4.30 to 6.30. We'll be outside, uh, weather permitting, uh, at Buster's on 28th. Exactly. We'd like you to come by. Now, we will have a list. Don't just show up thinking you're getting a free yeah, tote bag. son of a... <laughs> okay, easy, Sean. Uh, <laughs> that being said, if you'd like to suddenly jump online and be like, you know what? I would like to support this podcast. I would love a tote bag. You can sign up, patreon.com slash Brian Oak Show. Um, and if you're not... Think about it. Listen to a few more episodes and then realize what an impossible opportunity you missed. In these uncertain times. Oh, now, more than ever. (laughs) I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Thank you, by the way, to Busters for staying with us during these uncertain times. (laughs) Because that's three blocks from my home and I want them to be around at the end of whatever the hell we're looking at is. Speaking of, uh, our good friend, Jared Brewington, he's so busy with national media engagements, but he was able to shoehorn us in, and it's time for us to talk to him now. You know, today's guest was recently a guest on the show in the last few episodes, but he has become, in addition to a friend and one of the most articulate, empathetic, decent concerned individuals I've ever met in my entire life has sort of become a vocal presence, a a flashpoint, a, a, a touchstone for what's happening, not only in Minneapolis, even though the first stone may have been thrown in the pond here and by no means is it the first stone, but for whatever reason, the ripples that have come out from this one have gone around the world and it's more than high time. Jared Brewington, who is a local entrepreneur, uh, an activist, a decent human being, 
funny as fuck and also really, really deeply into music. We've become friends over the last few years, and I cannot be more than happy to welcome you into the actual Smart Start MN studio because you were just here not too long ago. Jared, how are you today, man? It's It's been a long couple of weeks. <laughs> it's been busy. I've only seen you, I, I saw you two weeks ago, and um, or at least talked to you two weeks ago, because you helped bring that very, very important footage about exactly how the process went down about George Floyd. And since I've talked to you last, you know, things have changed. Uh, Keith Ellison has taken over the prosecution, and because new evidence has come to light, which evidence is the whole bit, right? You have to have awareness. Um it's been it's been a while since I talked to you, and as I mentioned, I wasn't trying to damn it with faint praise. It's been a dynamic couple of weeks, and I can only imagine what it's been like for you. You are talking to numerous national outlets. You are part of, as an entrepreneur, as a guy who had a business right there at 38th in Chicago, literally within feet of the murder of George Floyd, you know, you talked to friends in the area, you brought evidence to light that otherwise might have been suppressed or never ever have been heard about, so nobody can doubt your commitment to this community, and you still are talking to national outlets. In fact, right before I talked to you here, who were you just talking to? I just did a Dateline segment for the one-hour primetime George Floyd piece coming up in the next week or so with the owner of Dragon Walk. Uh, the owner of the camera footage that, that caught George Floyd getting handcuffed before he was kneed in his neck till he died while he was handcuffed. So it showed him not resisting arrest. So I want to ask you, you know, like um, you told me something last time we talked that was extremely informative to me as a middle-aged white dude who likes to think of himself as an ally, but probably throughout my life have allowed myself a little too much comfort. When I asked you, what do we do? You told me, and in all respect and friendship, you're like, I'm not black Google, right? Like, I mean, like, but, and I've, I've, I've probably quoted that on every show since then, but that's more than fair. It's real. Like, don't, don't turn to black people and be like, why am I such a shitty white person? Like, how do I do better? Just be better. Be good to everyone you meet. Be kind to everyone. Listen. I feel like to me, that's the stuff that is the thing. But when it comes to all these national outlets coming to you, and asking you, like, give us your, and like, you know, and again, it's all white guys with like, a, their their brows are, are you know, they're like, mm, yeah, like, what do we, what do we really do? If we're going to take advantage of this moment, if we're going to actually, whether it be incremental or seismic change, how does it feel for you to be a spokesperson for ground zero of international tumult? I mean... I know that you are more than capable of doing it. I know that you are more than eloquent. But I also wonder, like, the pressure and the attitude. How do you feel about the spot you're in right now? It just happened. I I, I have a business, and I like to, to promote it to a customer base and market it. So I, I have a natural confidence about talking about stuff mm. bugling if you will and, i do but I, I remember the first time i met you there's there's no shortage of confidence in you my man but it comes from being convinced of the stuff i know in, in which may not be much more than anybody else in this world mm. and and with that though you know when my heart got wrenched and i was 
personally involved because Washington Post thought I still owned the space there. And then I just thought of if it was me or if I was still the, the, the restaurant owner there. And it, it didn't compel me to do something. I just thought in a cynical way of just because of watching the black community not get a lot of justice in, how do you say it, the entire history of this country. Um, I felt like justice wasn't going to be served. So I just wanted to step up and convince Rashad, the owner of Dragon Walk, and then the, the true owner of the, the footage of, of Mr. Floyd prior to his killing, I just felt a responsibility to me because I was paranoid, which of course leads to responsibility to the community. But I I was feeling, oh shit. He got killed by a cop. His hands are behind his back. He's going to get away with it. The same thing's going to happen over and over again. The cycle's going to continue. The conversation will be, well, what did he do? What was his background? And why is he a, why is he a martyr? Others are not others. People who can type say that too. You know, why is he a hero? Nobody, nobody. I don't think anyone with a half a brain in their head thinks this is the first time a black man has been unjustly killed by white authorities. But it's the first time that it got in front of them and it affected their life because of the 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 boil over of of pain and suffering and pressure and and sadness, and it turned into. Uh, an ash spray out of a volcano of real, real feelings um, that touched their doorstep. And I hate to say it so loosely, but when, when white America gets all riled up, then things get visible and happen. Which is, uh, it's, that, that's part of what I want to ask you next is, you know, Minnesota every year makes these lists of the, five best cities to bicycle in or the top three cities for quality of life, blah, blah, blah. But there's always an asterisk, and that that asterisk is if you're white. And so what I want to ask you, because being in, can I call you a black man or would you prefer African-American man? I'm a black guy. Okay, well, I, look, I'm, I'm trying, my whole point about all this is trying to listen more and trying to do better. So I don't want to call you a black guy and be like, fuck you, whitey. You know, I just I don't want that. So as a black guy, when we talk about the disparity, a lot of places are like, yeah, this is an amazing place to live. You love this town like I love this town. We're broadcasting in the heart of South Minneapolis at 48th in Chicago, a mere 10 blocks away from where this man was innocently murdered. The division, the the canyon between black and white, even though a lot of us here in Minnesota and we often, you know, go blue and we vote what we think is the right way, there's still, and I'm asking you, I'm just guessing, but I'm, there's still this huge chasm between black and white, even in Minnesota, yeah? It ranks on a national level, the disparity of white and black home ownership in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. It ranks as high as we do in park systems, mm-hmm. which is one, and St. Paul, three. Wow. We have the highest disparity of income amongst metropolitan cities in the United States of America. And number one, park systems. The park systems are enjoyed by all of us that are that are aware of them, that are near them. The, the beauty is that all of the Minneapolis park systems touch all of our neighborhoods. And the division has been because of 
systemic racism in housing covenants. Well, and don't don't starting, be shy. There's starting, nothing you can't say on this show. Starting in Edina. Well, you know, I I, I try to think things through. Yeah, I know you uh, do. You know, my, my passion always comes out. I don't try to be too tactful. Uh, my my general my general way is this, and when I'm pissed, it still comes out in this. But he, you know, Edina, Minnesota, also historically known in the nation as the first indoor mall of one of the first suburbs that wrote into their title that you can't buy or sell to people of color, which is crazy. So I was probably only I don't know I'm 52 now. I was probably only in my mid 40s when I first heard about the Rondo neighborhood because I even though I grew up in I mean I've spent the last 30 plus years in South Minneapolis. I was not deeply familiar with the history of the Twin Cities outside of my fun little uptown neighborhood that had a bunch of weirdos and hippies and punk rockers. I grew up in the northern suburbs, the North Suburban Cultural Corridor, not quite in a cul-de-sac, but it was only, you know, within the last five, six, seven years that I learned about the Rondo neighborhood that I, you know, read uh, Andrea Swenson's book about the Minneapolis Sound, you know, like, I mean, she dove so deep and I'm like, I didn't know there was a deep, hardcore funk community here. I didn't know that there was a black community that literally were rolled over by steam pavers and dispersed and told to go somewhere else because we're putting a freeway through here. And, And this to me is all still part of the process. Like it's about learning. And so I keep asking questions. And that time when I asked you the question, you said you're not black Google. It wasn't because I was looking to be absolved. It was because I was looking to learn and I'm still trying to fight find the right words i'm still trying to find the right way forward i'm still trying to figure out because it's awful right now man it's awful and but it's always been awful for people other than me and i just i want to know what it is what's the right i've never thrown a punch in my life and i've never i've never really had deep hate in my heart except for like bob seeger uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the importance of what we're talking about now. I'm just, I really, really am trying to learn. You, who you are in your heart is on your face, sleeve, shoulder, everywhere. Right. You, that's known about you. There's, there's honesty in who you are as a person. So any ignorance, which is not a bad thing in any, any new knowledge, right? Right. As long as you keep trying to learn. That's the point. As long as you keep your ears open, and even if you don't agree with it, that you're willing to listen. And whether we're talking black or white, whether we're talking left or right, whether we're talking up or down, unless there's listening and conversation, then nothing ever really moves forward. And while I feel like in our new era, something new is happening, at least in my experience, but I, I don't know that it's going to fix everything, but I also feel there are people who are doubling down on the positions they're in, and they're like, fuck this. And it's like, we, 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 we can't live that way anymore. We can't. No, we can't. And, and your, your earnestness in wanting to listen and learn, if you just keep that mentality your whole life, the topic can be anything. Right, uh, right now, uh, bringing to, to light a community's pain and its, its, its history and how it's built in and how we find ourselves within a system. So if if there's privilege to one and they're within a system, you know, that's not overt and, and on purpose that you say, I support systemic racism right. because you exist within the system. But if you understand where it is, where you where you are and what that system is, then, you know, 
yes, dismantles broken systems or things that are built in, in systemic racism or favoring one group of people over another to the detriment of another society. Uh, absolutely. Um, but our, the calls that I get since we've last talked, yeah. maybe well-meaning white couples that I'm friends with and they, and, and they say, hi, Jared, we're, we're on speakerphone. <laughs> and, and that's it. They're silent. And, and, and I know deep in my God. heart that they want me to navigate them through some form of guilt. And yeah. how are you? Silence. And, and I don't want to be as annoyed because it's the 400th call. Right. And I'm yeah. in the middle of something or just like I know where that's going. So then it's like, well, we tried and he was, he seemed annoyed. Well, what, what do we do? <laughs> and, and so I've come to find, I've come to say creative people create creatively. What can you do if, what what do you do? What is your line of work? Well, you're good at that. So if you care enough, you can build a company, you can market your company, you can have a business. But if you want to know what to do, you'll really fucking figure it out. Educated white liberals, and I, I'm not even educated. I dropped out of college. But educated white liberals seem to want the black TED Talk. They want to know, what am I supposed to do? How do I make this better? Yeah. Obviously, everything's on fire. Before we talk any more about that, because there have been a couple of seismic things that have happened since you and I talked about Ranging from statues being torn down. Time to get up. At some point on a Thursday, <laughs> I set an alarm for 4 or 5 p.m. Sure, uh, totally normal. <laughs> mm, everything's fine. Uh, statues being torn down. Talk of defunding the police, which I know has a lot of people shitting their pants right now. Uh, Confederate flags being banned at NASCAR. I want to talk about all that. But before we get into your first song, because we've gone too long without music. This last week, you did something really kind of incredible because you are an inclusive dude and you are so positive and so hopeful and so empathetic, which is why I'm so glad we've become friends at the site of the murder of George Floyd. There has erupted this almost impossible memorial between artwork, flowers, thoughtfulness, and rel the relative quietude there compared to other points of protest throughout the Twin Cities, which are more than warranted to say the very least, but that has become sort of hallowed ground. And you organized because you had an event, you had a, a business right there at that corner for a long time, Funky Grits, you organized something called the Electric Slide of Unity. Now, at the risk of sounding impossibly white, I can't even do line dancing. With instructions even. Right? No. <laughs> You, you could show me a video and have given me a syllabus weeks before, and I still would have effed it up, but I watched a lot of video of it. So it wasn't just the electric slide. There was the cha-cha slide. There were many other dances. But what you said is, okay, if we're really all going to get together at this place of unity, this sad but possibly hopeful and, and, and place of growth, let's get together and dance. Tell me where the inspiration of the electric slide of unity came from and, and, and what it actually played out like. I was talking to a friend who is the commissioner of that area, Commissioner Angela Conley, the first African-American ever to be elected to the Hennepin County Commission. We were chatting and just catching up on all of the anxiety and, and beauty, and, 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 and we're talking, and it just came up, what would be really cool is everyone did the electric slide together. <laughs> and, and I go, I'm on it, bye. <laughs> I got this. I'll talk to you later. So I called the appropriate people, which was the Chicago Avenue Fire Arts Center, said, I'm going to base something off of your area, called mm -hmm. DJ Soda and DJ Phoenix 
who uh, Rob, Rob Stive, DJ Soda, Michael Wilson, DJ Phoenix are the energy, voice, hurt, feeling, support all day long. All of the events that we have done together, they are the MCs, the energy, the the no dead air um, for hours and hours and hours. And they're there every single day and their their leadership has been beautiful on their medium which has been crowd control and in mood support right that's that's what djs do they run that they run that gamut all night long mm-hmm. and so uh they were all down and they had all everything queued up i made a facebook page promoted it a little bit it caught on and and then ellen's instagram posted it the next day uh, by the way by uh, you, you you damn yourself with faint praise <laughs> by ellen's instagram post you mean ellen degeneres who has made dancing a part of her show more often than not because she believes in unity and she also understands that the power of dance sort of erases some of the division right like it, we all like to shake it once in a while it, here's the deal i'm not good at it I don't, i'm not comfortable doing it in public unless i've had five or six or <laughs> If I'm doing it at home, uh, then I'm cool. Like if the wife and child are out for the night, I go. I go to record playing. Oh, trust me, I'm I'm doing the Tom Cruise take those old records off the shelf, even though I can't stand Seeger. Um, I, I took I'm doing you for an emo shuffle. Yeah, here's the problem. So we talk about these dances. I missed the wave on most of these. I remember I used to do a, a, a night called the South Park Wednesdays at the old Gabby's, which has since oh, yeah. turned into Psycho Susie's. Yep. And I remember they used to used to do an '80s and '90 nights, and so as soon as we wrapped it up, boom! First song was the uh, the electric slide, and all these people came out, and I'm like, I've never even heard of this. I and I was like, what? And I felt like it felt like a Twilight Zone episode. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck's happening. Everyone right now. knows but you, right? Which yeah. is fine, but also I was like, no, they're all way too into it. I'm going to go back over to the Dollar Taco Bar because I'm not really sure what's happening here. So you had a great turnout. Yeah. Ellen shared it. Um, you have become the national focus. I have so much more I want to talk to you about. We could do this for hours and hours, but let's hear a song. We haven't heard a song in a minute. What are we going to hear first? Called The Oath by Street Sweeper Social Club. Which we talked about Tom Morello earlier yep. because the reason I played Rage is that he was getting attacked on Twitter by people who are like, you know, I really just like to enjoy the music. I hate it when you put politics in the music. I'm like... Have you ever listened to a single Rage Against the Machine song? Like, even one. Like you don't you don't have to be a political science major to think that Tom Morello was never political in anything he's ever done, which was his reply, absolutely blows my mind. So this was a side project of his called the Street Sweeper Social Club. This one's the oath. It's on the Brian Oak Show. Cause where they see me before Instead as I stumbled through the motel door The dirty mirror also thought I looked familiar But commented only that my suit was brilliant The TV bolted to the wall and cracked Remembered how I cried and said I'd never come back In the lacquer of the table I carved my oath With a burnt butter knife and this is what I wrote I pledge 
to get their foot off my neck instead. I shall demand my respect. I fight, even if I won't win. Alright, the beginning is the end. I pledge to make the boss cringe instead. We get some justified is I fight till the system is gone. Recite this ex loser song. Time to talk now? I think we should. Now that we're done listening to uh, Street Sweepers Union, is that what it is? Sweet Street Sweeper Social Club. Street Sweepers <laughs> Social Club. Tom Morello, one of his many side projects. Second Tom Morello song we've heard. And um, again, the first reason, the, the reason we played that first Rage song, him getting taken to task on Twitter for being political. Oh, I'm not sure if it's the... The lemming-like race to the cliff of willful ignorance, or if people just when they were young 
if white privilege was so prevalent that they're like, I love to mosh at this show and I don't have a fuck what these guys are talking about, but God damn, it's loud and fun and funky as fuck. I'm not really sure, Jared. Rage against the machine. <laughs> I, I, had, I watched someone reply on one of those tweets earlier like, did you think you were raging against the washing machine? It's hard to say. It's in the hey, name. It before was... we before we keep talking to Jared Brewington, a couple of quick mentions. One is smartstartmn.org, Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What kind of thing is it that they do, Sean? Well, if you happen to get a DUI or Oof. you know somebody else that does and you know they're going to be in not such a good mood when that happens, <laughs> uh, and it's entirely possible their spouse might be a little crabby, uh, you have a way to be able to get to work if you are... Uh, fortunate enough to have a job right now, uh, or even to take your kids to uh, jujitsu lessons, uh, whatever it happens to be, uh, call you. You can actually uh, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. They'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. What if your kids are going to a knife fighting academy? Would that be possible? Could you get them there? Well, I think that that's when you uh, consider having a, a relative or a friend take over parenting. Okay, there's that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm just looking for examples. But really what they do <laughs> is if you go through a DUI or your friend or your brother-in-law or whoever, a relative, it's going to upend your life. And it's going to be expensive. And it was a bad choice to make. But you can mitigate what the other side looks like. Smart start. Startmn.com slash Brian Oak Show, and they will help you cut down the cost on the installation. Basically, it's a breathalyzer in your car. Yeah, it's what makes the key turn and allows you to drive. Right. So, pretty, so pretty cool. And they've been on board since day one. Uh, Ed and Mike have been really, really supportive. It's hard to imagine this is episode 64 already. I mean, it's only been since what, late November, early yeah, December? And, and Jared was on one of the first three episodes, I think. Here, here's the deal. If Jared wasn't in such demand nationwide, if he wasn't such an important entrepreneur in the Twin Cities, if he wasn't such a bon vivant and a man around town, I'd ask him to be on more often, but he was kind enough to come in and join us today. So before we move forward, because I have a couple things I'd really like to ask you about, Jared. Um, you were just on, you just did a taping with Nightline? Dateline NBC. Dateline When NBC. is it going to be on? week or two they're, okay they're cutting it together okay it's a one hour one hour prime time we'll on, make sure on, we promote it well, and sean and i have done enough media that like pre-recording's always the way to go because then you boil it down to the best yes. bits and in case someone's terrible you're like you know what we can get a different guest but i know for a fact that's not the case that they're thinking about you um i want to ask you about a couple things that have bubbled up in the last few days and I don't want to get too bogged down in this one because I'll be honest, I don't pretend to understand the intricacies of it. But we talk about defunding the police. This has happened in other, and the Minneapolis City Council seems to be overwhelmingly on board with doing it. When we talk about, you can put that anywhere. I can, I got long, long arms too. Um, I, when we talk about it, I think that most people who whether it's because they come from a position of privilege or whether they have things they want to protect, they're like what do you mean no cops? I, I don't own any guns. It doesn't mean no cops. It means changing the way, the nature of the funding in our in our city, in our metropolis, if you will, putting more money towards mental health resources, more money towards 
counseling. You know, it, it doesn't mean cops are gone. Cops still exist, but it means changing the nature of the culture and changing the nature of how our brains think about what it means to run a community. I know you love South Minneapolis. I've lived here for 30 years. I love South Minneapolis. So when people hear defunding the, the police, they have a tendency to panic like, what do you mean, no cops anymore? Like, I got to stand outside with a shotgun all night? That's not what that means. It, absolutely. And all media has been saying defund and abolish, and they're playing the clips of the chance of defund or abolish. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that all levels of upset, protest, reform, thinkers, defund, sayers, and abolish ye screamers are talking about reallocating resources of an extremely well-funded police department that has has uh, money going into their coffers that is supporting things that aren't community building, right? like militarized hardware and vehicles. Well, and there are times where we're at right now where you're like, oh, man, thank God they've got bulletproof vests and military vehicles, but we don't necessarily get here if we have put money into the infrastructure of mental health, of supporting our children, of building community infrastructure, we don't necessarily have to have, you know, it's not the Middle East, and I'm not saying anything bad about that situation, but it's obviously gone beyond that point there. We can be reasonable. We're, We're not talking about capitulating our security and our safety. We're talking about making sure the money we have here, which, although we're not New York City, we're not Los Angeles, there are considerable resources here that could be put in on the ground level, that could be put in on the infrastructural level, that could be put in to communities that do not have, like you said early on, the divide here is very, very wide. If we try to lessen that divide, we find less of a need for a police force. Now, am I saying that police are inherently evil? No. I would still like to have some sort of law enforcement in place. Am I saying that there are bad elements or that we've put too much effort there and neglected these other important aspects of our community? I'm, actually, I'm absolutely saying that. A lot, of their, a lot of their daily work is transportation, which is which the end game of that is connected to mental health or chemical dependency. Mm -hmm. We have the resources and ability and, you know, professionalism in our nonprofit and private space that are also contracted through the, through the counties and, and to just exist on their own as benevolent organizations that are well-equipped and specialized for that social work and mental health and chemical dependency organizations have their own world and sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. You know, social work is underrepresented as well from a minority perspective. One can say it's a very white environment. So throwing more funds at that without having some sort of uh, conversation, building blocks and, and and inclusion in all communities to, 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 to be re- a better resource, uh, th- those organizations are always there, standing with their hands up, writing grants, um, a- addressing proposals that other larger nonprofits are, are putting out there for, for them to spell out that what their core services are can help the community. So if, if, if there's a lot of militarized thinking trained uh, officers who call their job the force, and they have to handle sensitive mental health and chemical dependency issues, 
their mindset is already skewed. And they're not even from the community. They don't understand the community, not not to mention anyone with a mental health or, or chemical dependency concern or how to triage somebody who's 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 peaking, triggered, upset or or in, in, in some other way, you know, in some in some other way disarray of their life. Or full blown breakdown. Like so I, and that's what's beca- what, what, what to me, which has become the problem is okay, someone is going through one of the things that you just talked about, Jared. We don't call a mental health professional. We don't call a drug addict professional or a recovery specialist, whatever the case may be. We call the cops. And when they see someone who's losing their effing mind, they're not trained, uh, despite whatever extensive training they may get, to talk that person down off the ledge or to try to reach that person at least somewhere in the middle. We go right to the tactics of this person's dangerous, needs to be in cuffs, and needs to be brought to jail, regardless of where they end up, maybe not jail, maybe in a facility, wherever the case is. If we reinvest some of those resources at the basic level, like, and again, these are people who are going to work every bit as hard as a cop. These are people who, mm-hmm. and again, I don't ever want to disrespect police officers. I think there are a lot of good ones. I think there are a lot of them who walk into the line of danger every day, but there are also mental health people. There are also, you know, drug addiction specialists. Pick it anywhere across the spectrum. Physical abuse, mental abuse specialists, whoever, that if we reallocate some of those resources, to me, defunding the police, I just, I want to sort of undemonize, and that's not really a word, but you know what I mean, that particular phrase, because it doesn't mean doing away with the police. It means that Simple law enforcement from an aggressive, last time you and I talked a few weeks ago, a police state, that's not the way to deal with the most fragile elements of our community. Now, there are, to be certain, violent criminal elements of every stripe out there with mental health and chemical and and so so it requires maybe a multidisciplinary approach to what how we're going to do it. But I just I want people to stop freaking out about the notion of defunding the police the Minneapolis Police Department is never going away. But with Chief Arredondo breaking off uh, negotiations with the union, it means that finally there is an understanding that maybe there's a different way forward, which makes me want to ask you this. You know, do we do we have a future? Like, do we have enough cooler heads that are going to prevail that we can... We can find a way. Am I asking every white person to love every black person? Absolutely not. But am I asking everyone who calls it their home and everyone who loves this place as much as you do, as much as Sean does, as much as I do, there's got to be a way for us to find a way forward that's not violent, that no one has to die anymore. I mean, unless, I mean, if, if you come at the cops with a gun, fake gun or not, you're going to get shot. And that, that's, a, that's an entirely different animal. Is there a way to find a way forward? And again, I'm not trying to be black Google, even though you are my black Google. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the way forward is visible on 38th in Chicago mm-hmm. at this moment yeah. where I just drove here from. Yeah. That's where I'm going after we're done. It's, it's the visible. It's it's a it's a it's an image, and optics that show that this is etched on our lives. If you all and all listening don't think that this has affected your future from now on, you are so silly. You are so misinformed, and it's going to affect your life. So it's it's not buckle up. It's open your ears, 
open your heart to the fact that humans are humans and that our humanity is our unity. And if we can if we can all respect and agree upon that, then we can see what basic civil rights and liberties look like existing in America, walking the streets and just trying to live and succeed because it's hard as hell for all of us anyway. So I, just if I can jump in on a couple of things, I'm from here. I started north side, moved south side, and have lived here most of my life. My family goes back 100 years. My grandfather delivered mail in that neighborhood where he was killed for 30 years. At his funeral, people of all color showed up uh, to my grandfather's funeral, and he didn't tell his parents what he did. He dropped off groceries to people that couldn't afford it, never said a word to anybody, just did them. And, and so there's, there is a part of me that's like, well, we've been part of the solution. But what I realized is that it goes so much further than that. The, the absolutes are this. The absolutes are we've got to get people away from the police force and, and the part of the union like Bob Kroll. He's got yeah. to be gone because he is old school thinking. But the other things that I think are absolutely imperative are what you said to start the show, that it is about things like black people being able to own homes. The other massive thing that has to change, because what I saw with the knee on the neck was a lack of dignity and respect given. And that's why I was sick to my stomach. And I had people, I had a lot of friends say, you're not affected like a, affected by this like a black person. As they said, of course not. But I am a human being that watched another human being get their dignity taken away. And that's what made me so sick to my stomach. So it does go to opportunity and that we have a country that is so divided with the, I got mine, you get yours. I don't give a shit what your story is. And, and then, of course, it's exacerbated if you happen to be a person of color. So it's like, what? What's your fucking problem, man? It, well, you got to drink from the fountain. Uh, well, you get to. It's been fifty years. <laughs> What's your deal, man? Get over it. How Barack Obama had a single mother. What's the deal, man? What are you doing? Oh, and by the way, this guy was a drug addict. And I and I just I had somebody say that to me. I said, so is your uncle. <laughs> well, and I said, I said that. seriously, I'm not kidding. Yeah. And it's like, so I, I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing that George Floyd did this and he did that. He was not a saint. But he is a human being that was doing what he was doing. And I tell you, when you come from poverty, when you come from poverty, there is a a level. And I came from poverty. I have been homeless. I've stayed at the Salvation Army that George Floyd volunteered at. My mom said, I saw him in that Salvation Army. She goes, I remember him from the Salvation Army where he like she goes and shops there because she's broke still. She's an old hippie woman and like (laughs) still does the Salvation Army thing. But she's like, we stayed there twice as when you were a kid. I'm like, I know. But, but my point is this, is that the, the way that this has to change is immediately the things that we can do quickly are get people like Bob Kroll out of there and, and change the way the police force works with mental health, with everything else. But the most important thing that will take time, but it doesn't have to take that much time, is funding our education system yep. and take the fucking property tax thing away from there. There's no reason that a Minneapolis school kid should get 10 grand a year and an Edina kid should get... 80 grand a year. That's fucked up. Yeah. And, and the well, state of the current Minneapolis school district with creating redistricting through yes. COVID was not very popular and good for our children or the teachers. Or it's the gerrymandering like voting, and, man. And, and they used a uh, segue here. They, they <laughs> used, they used the confusion of COVID-19 yes. to pass it without talking to teachers Community members, yes, parents, yes, and 
one of my closest friends in my entire life forever, Greta Callahan, the new Minneapolis Federation of Teachers president, yeah, was saying that prior to her being elected president. Well, that almost sounds like it's not real democracy. It is, Jared. Uh, are you sure? It was not it's even a, a bait and claim. It wasn't a bait and switch. It was just a switch. <laughs> yep. Nope. Just a just a lie. And um, you know, it was disappointing. If that's you, the fundamentals, if, right? If there. you weren't in demand from so many national outlets, I would ask you to be on here once a week. But I'm. But here's the other thing I want you to know. I'm glad that you're in demand from national outlets because I think there are. A startling few, not startling, but there are a very few number of people that are as familiar, articulate, empathetic, decent, but also, and here's the important one, hopeful about the future as you are. So when you talk to these national outlets, last time we had you on, I saw you on CNN the night before, and you got that footage out there. Now, earlier today, you just recorded a thing with... Dateline NBC. Dateline NBC, which is going to be on in the next week or two. Jared Brewington is his name. Look it up. Make sure you watch it because this guy, this guy is smart. He's also, he's not afraid of brown liquor, which I also enjoy very much <laughs> about him because he and I are brothers. And, um, uh, I, you know, I just met him a few years ago, but we hit it off literally the first time we met. And uh, it's nice to know you, my man. The, the The best part of us meeting a few years ago was that our lives were connected my daughter's mother my ex-wife mm-hmm. as a my daughter has an older sister and mm-hmm. i i carpooled and uh her and her friend to school back and forth and she was a classmate in seventh and eighth grade with your daughter abby and they were buddies and so running into your family at the mulch shop on 50th mm-hmm. connecting the dots and then all these years later and the brown liquor friendship kicked off. Well, and again, it's not strictly brown li- about brown liquor, <laughs> but it's but, really you know, great. But, you know, <laughs> consider any great meal. Like you know, there are a few spices and a few extras that go with any great meal. As you would know, as an entrepreneur, tell me the name of your business again. Thigh Times Birdhouse, growing as we speak, and it's going through changes. But yes. the next time we have you on, we'll reveal. The changes. Something's got to be moving in my life. I understand. Oh, like nothing's moving in <laughs> your life, Jared. Anyway, before I let you go, one last question, because then we're going to get to your last song, and we are going to wrap things up. Um, I don't really give a shit about car racing and NASCAR, but it seems significant to me that an organization as entrenched in Southern culture as it is, even though car racing happens everywhere, the vast majority of people for a long time are of Southern extraction, if you will, and white Southern extraction of NASCAR. NASCAR officially came out and banned the Confederate flag. Now, it was largely applauded and lauded, uh, but there were one or two people who made a big stink about it. One guy who said, I don't see what the big deal is. No one cares about the Confederate flag. That being said, after the season, I'm retiring forever, which I'm like, you literally just said two different things. (laughs) And so I don't really want to talk so much about NASCAR or the Confederate flag. The last question I want to ask you is this, and I know you're not black Google, although, God, you're my black Google. Um, (laughs) Do you believe that at the end of this, I mean, because, again, it's changed so much in the last two weeks, and I imagine two weeks from now it's not going to look like what it looks like right now. Do you believe that change, whatever change we may see on the far side of this, do you believe, and I think there might be value in both, but obviously there's more value in one than the other, do you believe that change will be incremental 
or do you believe the change will be seismic? Let's say we talk from a year from now or six months from now. Do you have faith in that what's happening right now will have staying power? I've been thinking and talking about support fatigue. I shopped... I shopped local and black for four <laughs> weeks, and, I'm, and I yeah. feel like I've done my part. But that's exactly I spent what I'm asking. Six hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah. I donated diapers, and I called friends, and yep. and I asked what I could do. I'm I'm tired. That's what I'm asking. He's like, like, okay, I have posted eight times about this NASCAR bullshit, and yeah. I have done my part to make yeah. sure that that the the history of slavery has been part suppressed. of that's true. Part of that is true, but I think that plates really did shift. This was an earthquake, and see that's what I'm asking you. So the earthquake happened. It's but do it's, people but pe- do people try to scramble back together and put their shacks and their, their what they knew of their lives back together, or do they really try to implement? And again, you're not. I, I'm not. Again, think, you're not the guy, and I don't mean to put too much on you, but I want to know in your heart of hearts, do you think things have changed? When physical infrastructure is destroyed, it needs to be rebuilt. But if while that is happening systems have are getting blown up that should be then and they're being built together all of that's brand new to everyone and then it is and that's uncharted territory so if we're building rebuilding physical infrastructure with a new mindset and then we're also we're also trying to in a policy fashion mirror that rebuilding at the same time then that's a a really drastic change because we've already we've always had you know a policy impactful moment just by a just by a political party stating something even though they knew it would go uphill and and die and at the higher levels uh they still made their point um this this was a big shift and i think that the the impact and and i believe for eternity that that space will be solemn and and george floyd base i mean Somebody put a exactly matching sign over Chicago Avenue. It says George Floyd Street. Do you think George Floyd will one day? And again, I, and it's impossible to ask you this question. I hate doing it. I'm just I'm trying to put context on it, and we're way way too close to it. Does George Floyd at some point become, in certain ways, obviously not exactly synonymous with Rosa Parks? I know that's an impossibly huge question. It's not at all because I think about it all the time because I've seen the impact that it's already had. I know that's not, I know cars aren't going to drive across 38th in Chicago anymore. Right. It's either going to be a roundabout or a go around. Right. uh, The block that is. Uh, When I've heard people say he's no hero, look at his background, that at all he was doing was this, this, and that. The hero part is that his life is gone. Over. That's fact. Over. And it's already history. And what it has done is that it has impacted an entire nation, created a community and, and policymakers to stop in their damn tracks. Our leaders failed the shit out of us at this point. They stood and watched. I was there. They did not support us. They fucking failed us. I'm not saying go to the polls and change all of this because of this, but go to the polls and change what you want. Uh, I am going to say go to the polls and change all of this because <laughs> well, no, of this. Wait, whatever your version that. of what you like or right, don't right, right. like, make it fucking known. Yeah. If this doesn't create a new influx of voters in a in a in the younger base, then then I, then maybe I'm wrong that this was an earthquake. But I really, in my deep heart and in even intellectually, feel 
this this is permanent and it's an American movement. It, it it feels like more than an earthquake because it's not just an American movement; it's an international movement. Brian, Sean, yes, he's not with us anymore. Mm. His name was Prince. He came from oh. that neighborhood, yes, and he told us that it was the revolution and it would be from Minneapolis, and he named his band that. Yes. and he couldn't be here for it to happen. Yeah. Think about that shit. Imagine That's if crazy. he was here. Can you imagine the concert he would have thrown? He, he couldn't be here because no. he already prophesied that he was the revolution. And with him being gone and at the epicenter of this change was where he was born, raised, Bryant, junior high, central high we school. We should be playing right a Prince us. song. Well, we, we may in a minute. I, well, I, I, we I just have one had more. his birthday. I have a Prince-related question for you before we move on. But before we go, I do have to mention... Sean, who is my business partner, my producer, also a realtor at 50 and a Dine. It may seem trivial compared to what we've been talking about, but he has signed on for the bit. How do people get a hold of you if they want to sell a house, buy a house, rent a house? I don't know, invent a house from scratch. 612-859-2594. What I try to do is give back to my community by supporting the Warming House. So a portion of every sale goes to the Warming House, a nonprofit music venue on 40th and Bryant. Uh, and uh, everybody gets a one-year membership for two to that local music venue as well. 612-859-2594, text or call. Now, here's what's difficult. I'm going to be honest, because you picked... Death is from Detroit, right? Yes. An all-black trio who were one of the coolest punk rock bands in the last 50 years. You know, a lot of people don't think there's, other than maybe Bad Brains, that there's a lot of black history in punk rock, and it turns out there are literally dozens of black bands who are like, I don't want to do funk. I don't want to do what my parents did. I don't want to let's fucking rock. And there, there are dozens of black bands who were ultimately punk rock, but death, they called themselves death. And their labels like, you know, could we find a different name like the, like the three clovers or something like that? <laughs> I mean, death was an important band, but now that you just brought up Prince, the last question I was going to ask you is within the last couple of days, uh, AIM, the American Indian Movement, pulled down the Columbus statue in front of the um, Capitol. Capitol. And and now there's a petition going around, which I signed earlier today. They're like, let's replace that with a, a statue of fucking Prince. And I was like, you know, I'm not like a I'm not like a Prince Crusader, but oh man, 1999, it's in my top. 10 1980s albums of all time. Let's pretend we're married. As long as it was preparing, so. I'm going to leave it up to you, Jared, because you are the guest, and I love seeing your face, and I love hearing your perspective. Um, would you rather hear Death, or would you rather hear Prince? It's entirely... And that doesn't mean one's better than the other. How do you feel right now? Right now, I feel like Prince should have a statue. I am a Prince Crusader. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have so much pride in the neighborhood that I was born and raised in, and that the fact that the music he made actually resonated with me outside of that he's from our neighborhood. Right. Prince just had a birth celebration. Uh the music's been in our in our ears for the last month plus. And we- right now I'm mad at our leaders. And they're always in our face at the mm-hmm. right time and the wrong time. And they're not in our face at the wrong time. And so death being punk rock in their late seventies, eighties days, and us in the black community recognizing that rebellion standing up for ourselves is punk rock as fuck politicians in my eyes from death is kind of like 
you're annoying me. You didn't show up when I needed you, and I'm going to tell you how you are. I don't think anyone will ever doubt your love of Prince or any of our loves of Prince. Sean, thank you. Jared Bruinton, you know I love you, right? I love you, Brian Oaks. Say, Thanks, whoa, Jared. Whoa, there's no S at the end. <laughs> nice. It's fun no to say, No S though. at the end. It's so fun to say. Brian Oaks. Damn, I, I like, I like, I, but you know what's important to do is pop people's balloons on the regular to make sure that they stay at the baseline and understand that we're all the same thing. Jared, thank you very thank much. Thank you, so, brother. Here we go. If people do not know this band, Death, and I'm not trying to, like, mansplain or be the over-explainer, there's a great documentary online, I can't remember the name of it, about the band Death. It's not very long. It's like 45 minutes long, but you're like, wait, these three black dudes from the 70s, they didn't want to play funk or get weird. Oh, they just wanted to play like serious, loud, angry, white boy punk rock music. Three chords of soul and anger. And, Dude, and it's the anarchy. whole bit. Oh, Jared Brewington, <laughs> and thank truth. you so much. Yeah, precisely. This one's called the, uh, it's called Politicians in My Eyes Death. Thanks for tuning in to episode 64 of the Brian Oak Show. The documentary is so good. Thank you.